think it's suiting though that our entry because did you notice this last episode i just put the ready and then we were like um (laughs) last week's i didn't even put our intro in it it's probably good anyway but i just think it's suiting that we have ready in the beginning because every time before i go to record i say ready Anyway, it fits, and if it fits, I sit. Yep. Hello, everybody. This is Emily, and this is Jennifer, and this is another episode of Beauty in the Screens. Yep. This is actually episode forty. Yes. So that means we have more than forty hours worth of audio for you guys to listen to, if you just love the sound of my voice. And if you're actually here for my voice, I'm sorry. See, we'll just stick to true form here. So Jennifer and I watched a new scary movie together. Yes, we did. As how long ago would you say it was? About a week. Probably about a week. Yeah. We watched the movie Open Twenty Four Hours. Yeah, that movie was fuck, fucking weird. Yeah, I. I will say I think Jennifer and I agree at this point that the end made no sense and we're very confused and kind of upset about it. Yeah. We didn't have any closure. Yeah, there was no closure. Like, it just kind of, like, left it open for anything. Yeah. So, but the movie was, I mean, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I didn't like in the beginning of the movie. So, basically, this girl... Just gets out of prison because she, her boyfriend was some guy that had killed, like, 35 girls. hmm Yeah, and he forced her to watch, basically. Yeah. But through, like, the beginning, she's seeing him there, but he's not there. And that's what bothered me so much about that movie is because she's seeing him, and then automatically he's just there. Like, so... And there were those moments that I'm like, is he actually there or is she seeing shit? Like, yeah, shit was weird, but it was a good movie. It was very fucked up. It was a very fucked up movie. Um, when he killed that fucking parole officer with the fucking sledgehammer, man. Was it a sledgehammer? I think so. I think so. Yeah, because he made him kiss it too, didn't he? I'm pretty sure, yeah. That sounds like fucking Negan from The Walking Dead with the differences. Negan is fine as wine. <laughs> and also a fucking another made up character. True. I fall in love with made up characters, man. I'm like, there has to be someone out there just like that. That's sweet, but also will beat someone's head in with a wire covered baseball bat. <laughs> That's usually the first, like, like when people choose a companion i feel like that's what they look for is a negan somebody who's sweet to them but like will fucking go savage destroy shit on someone else yeah but i mean honestly if i were to actually see somebody do to people like what negan did in the walking dead i would have fucking hated him too yeah probably but i probably been like the pixie behind closed doors like flicking the bean you know you'd be climbing that tree over there probably because guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Ding, 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 ding. Your girl's got daddy issues. Don't we all? I mean, I guess we have the same fathers. <laughs> <laughs> if I do, you do. If you do, I do. <laughs> so, 
What were your thoughts on the open 24 hours? I really liked it, except for the ending. How many stars out of five would you give it? Four. Four out of five stars? Yeah. I thought it was pretty good. I'd probably give it probably about, mm, like, three and a half. Well, see, like, I was thinking, like, three and a half, but I also knew that that doesn't really exist. So I went with four. It does, too, exist. Because it, like, leans more on the four four side of that star than the four or the three. If you think about it, five and up when you're rounding rounds yeah. up. So, so basically you did four. give her up to four. But I, it didn't deserve a four. But it can round up to a four, I guess. See, I feel like if the ending had closure, you would have felt Oh, definitely. I think the open it. ending of it all just was kind of my thing as to why I was like, I don't know how I feel about this movie. Like, it was so good. Because there's been so many movies like that that have are, like, amazing up to this point. And then, like, some stupid thing happens in the script, and I'm like, you just lost me. Yeah, like, that movie, like, kept me on my seat. Like, I was ready for whatever else was about to happen. Oh, I remember. Because it literally shows him, like, die. But then when she wakes up, he's fucking gone. Yeah. But did you forget that? I forgot until right now. I was envisioning the movie. I was like, I thought we were just not talking about it because we want to spoil it. And then, oh God, you guys know, spoiler alerts. If we're talking about a scary movie, we're going to spoil it for you. So, pass due spoiler alert. But yeah, like she had killed him and he was dead, dying on the floor. And she gets up after like passing out and he's just not there anymore. And she didn't seem phased by the fact that he wasn't there anymore. That's what fucking got me. Right. Like she wasn't like, where'd he go? What if he had, like, at some point, like, fallen over and we just didn't know? I mean, he was laying on the ground in the... He wasn't. He was, like, slumped against the door for him, remember? I thought he um, was laying on the floor. But it showed the doorway when she stood up. I know. That's why I'm saying, like... Unless maybe there's, like, they made the error in it when they were making it and didn't realize they were doing it but i mean that would suck for such like a vital part of a movie to be like uh, uh oh that you but didn't i feel realize. like you wouldn't but i feel like you wouldn't miss a body laying on the floor right like i feel like that's something that you would intentionally make sure was there well anyway i felt really bad for that parole officer okay he was being like way too nice he should have just like not ever came back or anything just let her ass die but nah he came back to try to save her and he fucking got his face smashed in Poor nice parole officer. Then I watched on my own. So at work, we've been doing like the 31 days of Halloween. So every night, like we plan like what scary movie or like at least like horror based. Like we watched the Adams Family. Like we watched. I love the Adams Family and the Adams Family values. I want to bring in the Adams Family values because you know I love that one when they're trying to kill that baby. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no. We watched The Addams Family, then we watched the new Child's Play that came out last year, the Chucky movie, which I literally, when they asked me if I I would watch it with them, I was like, Chucky doesn't scare me. Like, so to me, those aren't like horror movies. I don't know. And so I was just kind of like, meh, but if you guys want to watch it, I guess I'll watch it with you. What, what better do I have to do? Okay. And I watched it, and it was actually, like, it didn't scare me, but it was more like, what the fuck? Because, like I told you earlier, Chucky's, like, a robot. And then I also watched The Wretched, which I'd be down to watch again with you, because it was good as fuck. (laughs) I almost bought it, and then one of my good friends made me aware to the fact that 
I did not need to pay for it because it was on Hulu. That's what it was on. Hulu, because I don't actually have a membership to Hulu. That's like the one streaming thing I don't. Yeah. But mom does. So I was like, ooh, I know somewhere in all these text messages, I got her login information from like months ago, probably like January or February. Yeah. I found it in all these old text messages that I am only a genius for thinking to go through and search for the keywords. I mean, yeah. I don't know if I can do that on my phone. Now I'm about to look because I don't know. I've never tried that. That's fucking sad. Like, say, what about bitch? That's probably a lot. I think I said it today. <laughs> Me. Yesterday. Fucking right, bitch. <laughs> yes, bitch. I'm sure you could. From me on Wednesday. Me. Made sure to let that bitch know. Me. Saturday. August 8th. So what the fuck got this bitch's tail twisted <laughs> to me or to you from me? This is classic. I love that. Um, me to you. Oh, this was this was Friday, July thirty first. This was that day that I was messaging you on Snapchat, remember? And it wasn't going through, and I was being such a salty ass dog. Oh. Like, so this is the message. So I've been sitting here watching unsolved mysteries and being a salty bitch for no reason. Yeah, I forgot about that because, like, nothing, the internet wasn't working, like, nothing was working. Fourth of July, all in caps, bitch. Bitches. It's just you? You beautiful bitch. I'm the one always saying bitch. Oh, you said it here. This was Thursday, June 11th. So I put my 14-gauge nose ring back in this morning. Hurts like a bitch. That's it? Yep. And then me, June 9th. Yes, bitch. Me. Tonight's a full moon. We should seance it, bitch. Bitch! <laughs> yes, bitch. Yes, bitch. And we have another five-star review. Get on house party, you little bitch. Is that you? Mm-hmm. Obviously, because I'm... Yeah. Welcome to the life of having me for a sister. I'm upset that I can't search like that. That's depressing. Yeah, that iPhone, you need to step it up. Yeah, right? Google has just one-upped you, motherfuckers. Yeah. Now I'm regretting my whole life. Just kidding, not really. She's like, now I'm wondering, was Emily right the whole time? I would never wonder that. Anyway, that's how I found the login to the Hulu account. But we that, yes. The Wretched is on Hulu, and Child's Play is what's on Prime. Didn't you have, did you have to get tested for COVID also, or did just David? Just David. I figured I would wait and see what his test results were before I jumped the gun and schedule the test for myself. He had told me that he'd gone to, he'd gone to break, um, in the morning and was sitting out there with, I don't even know who all, and... The, one of the people that he was sitting down at break with told him, told him that her son was at home um, and was being tested for COVID. And then he went back to work and then uh, went to his second break. And on his second break, they told him he needed to talk to him. And he was like, oh, shit, what the fuck did I do? Like, trying to figure out, like, what he got in trouble for. Only to find out that he um, needed to go home because 
he was contaminated now with uh contaminated <laughs> with bow with the rona so they gave him a test like because he has to like spit in a cup do whatever like they, they do like on-site testing for it yeah and they just take the spit yeah they don't do the shit where they shove it down their fucking nostril and rape their fucking brains yeah isn't that fucking crazy I had that. I had it three fucking times. I've had my nose swab three times too. It's not pleasant. Well, so far I have escaped COVID's wrath three times. I want to know what the percentages of are like the likelihood it is of me being able to catch it again. I don't know. Like I know there's people who have. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, they probably don't know. Obviously. Yeah. I feel like they don't know that much about it still. So, we're learning every day. Is it safe to ask you how you feel about the uh, president having the coronavirus? I feel that I'm about to bust it out. Okay, first of all, all these people who are supporters of him getting on Facebook and other social media sites making remarks about how terrible the people are that are wishing death on him. When, let me just say, dude, how hateful have they been? Well, I remember when um, fucking Obama was elected and they were, like, putting, like, figures that were supposed to like represent him on sticks and setting them on fire exactly like and and they think we're bad yeah oh i'm sorry it's not like i really all we do is we voice our opinion like we don't walk around like threatening people's lives usually like well and it's just like i'm sorry but who he is represents so much hate like i just feel like to openly be a, like, die-hard, like, open-mouthed, overly-opinionated Donald Trump supporter. You have to be a hateful fucking person. Like, something in you has to be hateful. Yeah, like... Like, even, like, even if it's not... I'm sorry, but anybody that... I feel like a lot of them are people who are, like, pro... Or against, like, gay rights. Like, they don't want them to have the ability to marry. That's hate. Like, there's other ones that don't believe in, like, um, women equality. Like, that's hate. There's some that just, you know, who their minds are, like, stuck in this old way of how things went that, I'm sorry, but the way things were is hate. Like, yeah. This whole idea of make America great again, like. We've never been great. No. We And we definitely cannot improve by going backwards. Like, improvement is going forward. Yeah, dude. We had a bomb-ass president for two fucking terms. And his name is fucking Barack Obama. Okay? <laughs> That's my dude. But no. I so, in my like... opinion, my answer to your question is, I would not be upset if something happened to him, but I'm not going to wish ill will on him. Okay. 
So to sum up this whole conversation that we just had about, like, if he died, I would not mourn. I would not shed a single tear. I may celebrate a little bit. But, but like, it's not like she's wishing death on him. Right. Like, if it doesn't happen, it's not like I'm like, oh, man, he didn't die. Shit. Well, that might actually be me. <laughs> but anyway, no, I'm not sitting here saying, like, I hope he dies. No. But I think it's fucking ironic and hilarious. And... Oh my God, your hair feels so nice. Thanks. Baby. I know. Even my hair doesn't feel... Actually, maybe it does. Well, I washed it today. That I washed fun. my hair last night. You look beautiful. We're just over here stroking each other's hair. Oh, that's <laughs> true love, guys. It is true love. Uh, <laughs> romance and it's... What? Probably youngest form. <laughs> the youngest form of romance. Birth. God. Um, but anyway, so... I'm still scarred for life of, from watching Knocked Up and seeing the birth of, childbirth is disgusting and terrifying. I'm like seeing a fucking baby's head come out of a fucking <laughs> vagina. I mean, I probably still would have done it, but. Oh, it's terrifying. <laughs> One day, like I was hanging out with my friend Sasha and she, like Julie had this like toy little like drum. Mm-hmm. And Sasha literally, like, picked it up and was like, when you're fully dilated, this is about how big around you are. And I was like, what? I literally was like, oh my fucking god. It's crazy to think that, like, there's room, like, in the, your, like, pelvis region for that to happen. Mm-hmm. It hurts my body just thinking about it. Have you ever watched, like, what happens to your organs when you're pregnant? No. Like, as a baby grows, they all just, like, get pushed and mashed together. <laughs> oh, no. Babies are so fucking greedy. Taking up all the room, smashing my organs that have been here for how long? I know people don't typically like this term, but I'd like to call them parasites. Children? Yeah. I would too. They are parasites. Because not only, I would know. Because not only are they latched onto you and using you for nutrients as they're growing inside of your body, but then they come out and, and they're, they're fucking leeches. Yeah. Sucking on your titties. Well, um. Sucking on your titties, sucking off, sucking up all your money, like. Right. Sucking up all your energy. No buenos dias for me. Well, I'm not going to lie. I really enjoyed playing with uh, Jessica's kids. Jessica's kids the other day, yeah. Well, you better start coming over more. Spending time with them. <laughs> so, I want to, like, transition into our stories on a lighter note than me, like, being Some a hateful person. Um, so, I went out to the bar last night with our sister Melissa because I hadn't been able to go out with her for her birthday because I had to work late and then be back early the next day. So I was like, Hey, we could go out together and like spend some time. And so that's what we did. And, um, we were at the bar. I actually discovered a new drink last night. That was actually really good. It is cranberry juice, Jack Daniels and apple pucker very good it's very tart it's so good but um anyway 
we're out at the bar. I end up talking to this guy for quite a while, like towards the end of like bar close time. And he's talking to me about like his son. And of course, like I'm listening (laughs) because I'm so (laughs) like, I'm not that like intrigued by children, but like if somebody wants to talk about something that really makes them happy, I love that shit. Like I will sit and listen to it forever. Even if it's something that doesn't necessarily make me happy the fact that it's making somebody that happy that you can that's what i love about you is you always care so much about how other people are feeling like i know i love it it's like a feed off of it yeah like it makes you feel good because somebody else feels good i love it but yeah so he's talking to me about his son he tells me all this shit about like how when he gets ready like to go somewhere public with his son like he dresses them the exact same way, like himself and his son. So then like if his son ever like runs away or whatever from him and he can't find him, he can tell people like, Hey, I lost my son. This is exactly what he's wearing. The exact same thing I am, which I thought was very clever. But I also let him know about mom's balloon trick. Not only that, but isn't that like great because like, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like, they're always ready for pictures because they always dress the same. That's true. Like, it's not one of those things where, like, you're going to have to worry about the fact that you look completely and totally weird because you're out in your pajamas while your kid's dressed. Right. Like, because you look the same. Even if you're both in pajamas, you're both in pajamas. I hadn't thought about it like that. Yeah, that's, that is a, like, good thought process. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so he's talking to me about his son and showing me, like, all these Snapchats of his son, like, in a dinosaur costume and, like, all this stuff. And, I mean, it was cute as fuck. His son is cute as fuck. So, anyway, he's like, you can add me on Snapchat. And I'm like, okay. And I uh, got my phone out. He, He found himself on mine, and then he added me back. And he's like, I hope it doesn't bother you because... All my snaps are, are snaps of my son. And I said, no, that doesn't bother me at all. I said, as long as you don't mind that almost all of my snaps are snaps of my son too. <laughs> Just wait till he finds out that your son is a feline. <laughs> my son is... A very handsome feline. My son is super hairy, and he walks on all fours, and he calls me, Meow! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. My fucking life, man. But he does, like, he has different meows for different things. Like, he does. true. And he has such, like, a purry, like... Little meow he does, like, when he comes up to me when, like, I first get home. It's like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, here I am. He did that to me when I came in the other day. Yeah, he's happy to see you. Oh, Papa. That's the sound of Figaro being excited to see you. Just don't touch him until he says it's okay. Oh, I scooped him into my arms. I didn't even care. That's probably why he just, like, lets it happen with you. Because that's what I do. Like, just... You know what I mean? Like, people are like, pick a row and like trying to pet him and then like then trying to pick him up. No, you just kind of scoop that bitch up. <sighs> and he don't don't feel me. I know you cradle him like a baby and like hold him real tight. I hold him so tight and I squeeze him. And then him. when he like, is, his, 
meowing at you and growling at you. You just c- continue holding him and squeezing him and, and loving him. And kissing his face. I just kissed mm. As he's like deep throat growling like. Oh, and I'm just like. Mm, <laughs> my little muffin you're so cute. <laughs> yeah that's my relationship with my cat. <laughs> cracks me up. Okay. Well anyway. You guys need to make sure to check out the PFPN. Our podcast family network yes y'all could be yes so go to the pfpn t-h-e-p-f-p-n dot com and check everybody out you're listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. to talk about a new topic so this week was my opportunity to pick a topic and I just went from our like spreadsheet because I've learned that I'm not very good at choosing topics I'm not really either but I do like to do things like this what we're about to tell everyone yes so, stepping a little further out from us doing our, like, haunted states and whatever, we went very broad and just decided a haunted destination. Like, this could be anything from, like, a vacation place, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, I don't know. Anyway, I'm yeah. done. But basically, yes, we're doing haunted destination. Yeah, well, the one that I picked, like, I chose it because... It's one of those places that you always hear people talking about how they would really like to go there. And, yeah, I think that it'd be kind of interesting to, like, put a twist on it, like, to why to go. But anyway, I present to you my wonderful co-host, Jennifer. (laughs) Take it away. So I'm actually pretty excited about this topic because I have wanted to travel to France to visit La Paris since I was in high school. And this has actually given me a chance to look at it in like a different way. Yeah. By looking at some of the most haunted areas within the city's limits. So that maybe would be one of those places where you actually want to go with me now. Maybe. We'll see at the end. <laughs> so... I put I had to put kind of my own twist on what I wanted to cover in this because there's so many places in Paris that are actually haunted. Um, so I had to pick like certain ones that I made a topic for myself to to go off of. And it's because Paris is known as the city of love. But a lot of the most popular love destinations are also um, considered haunted for various and sometimes even gruesome reasons. Gruesome reasons. 
So when I think of Paris, I usually think of things like the Eiffel Tower, uh, Notre Dame, the infamous Moulin Rouge, and all those different places like that. Yeah. And did you know that every single one of those locations is actually known for being haunted also? Ooh, that's cool. Yeah. So I did not know that, and I was kind of excited about it. So now I'm going to enlighten you guys also. Or enlighten you aussi, which means also in French. Ooh, aussi. So I'm going to start with Notre Dame, which is probably one of the most quintessential icons of Paris. Like, everybody talks about it. You know, there was the Disney movie, Hunchback the hunch of Notre Dame. Back of Notre Dame. <laughs> Quasimodo. But there are actually quite a number of ghost stories that are associated with um, haunting the cathedral. So it is said that there are many kings and holy historical figures who continue to walk the halls of the, of the cathedral long after their deaths. Some examples of these figures include King Henry VI, who ruled um, around 1431, mm-hmm. and then Napoleon, um, as said the ha- Napoleon Bonaparte, <laughs> um, was crowned emperor in 1804, like within there and he haunts supposedly haunts the cathedral also oh shit the cathedral is also home to two female ghosts who are most often who are the ones that are most often spoke of so like people see them more often Mm -hmm. um but i guess a lot of people have claimed to have seen one or two females walking across the roof of the cathedral like weaving in and out of all the gothic architecture and the gargoyles and stuff and then they suddenly disappear I guess nobody knows exactly where these two women came from, but it is rumored that they both had committed suicide by jumping off the cathedral roof. Aw, and then their sad spirits are stuck together. So, ghosts are actually the least of the cathedral's sinister stories, however. Ooh. Yeah. So, there's also a legend that originated um, at the cathedral's construction. Okay. So the legend legend has it that the best iron worker in Paris was tasked with creating a magnificent door to lead into the entrance of the cathedral. So, and then years passed because no matter how hard he tried, the church would not accept any of the designs that he had put forward for them. He had many, many failed attempts to deliver a door that they considered worthy of the Grand Notre Dame. And he actually resorted to prayer for his answers. But his prayers were not answered, and he took an even more drastic approach and called the devil for help. Ooh, damn! Yep. So soon after, he um, was able to put forth an elaborate design, and the church was pleased with it. So after the doors were made and installed... They were unable to open the doors with any amount of force. Like, they could not open them at all. And workers were sent to consult with the iron worker about his doors. And when they went to find him, they found him dead inside of his apartment. Because he had hung himself and left a letter that suggested that the doors needed to be doused in holy water. And after they doused the doors, they came open with ease. Oh, damn. That's spooky shit. Yeah. And there are people who claim to have seen the iron worker, like his ghost sitting in front of the doors that he created, 
And then there's also people who claim that there is a homage to Satan hidden in the design of the door. And the closest thing I could see, which I put a little picture on here for you, is that you can see some of the swirls on the door that kind of look like sixes. So it could be like 666, the number of the beast himself. Yeah. Like, it's hard to see because it's black and white. Doors are cool. <clears throat> Next up, we are going to the Moulin Rouge, which also happens to be a beautiful musical all about love conquering all that is, sage, is staged in the Moulin Rouge itself. So Moulin Rouge, by the way, translates to Red Mill in English. Um, and its looks have actually been changed frequently over the years, but the elaborate theater has always stood out because it has that big windmill on the front of its, like, on the front of it, and then it has a, like, magnificent courtyard out front. Mm-hmm. But it is another one of those things that's always, like, a featured location in Paris, but there's actually ghost stories associated with it as well. Ooh, is it about mm. dead prostitutes? I mean, kind of, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> so, there are stories of a singular ghost who has haunted the Moulin Rouge for a very long time. Like, a super long time. But no one has seen or actually heard of the ghost since 1943, but that has not stopped the circulating stories. So, there was a guy, his name was Plato Zorba, who was a paranormal researcher who read about the ghost of the Moulin Rouge in a diary that was in a trunk that um, had once belonged to Harold Zidler, who was one of the owners of the Moulin Rouge. Yeah. And the alleged former owner of the establishment. So, like, yeah, I just said that, basically. <laughs> I didn't realize that that was my next sentence, also. Who was he? Harold Zidler. He was the alleged former owner of the establishment, you bitch. <laughs> hate you. Anyway, so... The diary actually belonged to Lily Denevue, which was one of Zidler's dancers. So Lily continued to secretly live in the Moulin Rouge after the shows had stopped, and she actually kept a written record of things that made her believe that the place was haunted. Bet it was. Mm -hmm. Now, get this. So Lily referred to the ghost as Satine. Satine. She was the main character in the Satan. Moulin Rouge. Well, no, but, like, oh. Satine was the girl's, like, name for Moulin Rouge, like, the musical. Oh. So it's like they took that and, like, made a twist on it to make a love story. Huh. But, yeah, so Lily refers to the ghost as Satine and referred to her in the present tense as if she were still alive. And my ass. Satan. <laughs> yeah. So... She described that she would hear sounds of music playing late into the evening, and she would hear voices whispering to her and would even follow her through the deserted halls. Um, she described a shadow figure that would rush past doorways and vanish into sealed rooms. So there was another dancer who had snuck into the closed Moulin Rouge, and she claimed that she pushed open a door. And was confronted by Satine, like, just standing there before her with pale white skin, super long, beautiful red hair, and these extremely brilliant, bright blue eyes, like, looking at her. And she screamed at the surprise of seeing Satine, 
turned and ran down the corridor, and then she stopped at the end to look back, and Satine had vanished completely, like, no sound, Ooh, nothing, she was just gone. She seen her ghost? Yeah. Ooh, Lord. I ain't never seen a ghost, I don't want to. <laughs> and then, in another sighting of Satine, um, there was a group of dancers who were sneaking into the Moulin Rouge one night. Um, so they could dance and do stuff, like, whatever, because they're people that used to work in the Moulin Rouge. Right. And they were sneaking into the Moulin Rouge, and they saw a tall figure gliding along the upstairs balcony. Oh, God, no. Um, they said that in life, Satine had been, or they'd written that in life, Satine had been, like, five foot ten inches tall, but this figure was easily over six feet tall. Oh, shit. So it wasn't Satine then? Well, they did realize, though, like, as they were watching when they were freaking out about it, that the figure was actually floating about a foot off the floor. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. There is literally no historical evidence that they've been able to find about anyone who was actually named Satine who could have been the person there. Mm -hmm. So they don't really have any proof that she existed or that her ghost ever technically existed. It's just these stories that they've read, like, in this lady's diary. Yeah. So basically, they really did, like, with the Moulin Rouge, like, just know, hear this little bit and turned it into its own story. A little story, yeah. But the last sighting of Satine occurred in 1943 by a Nazi officer. The Germans had actually secured the Moulin Rouge as a strategic point and, like, a temporary military base. And the generals soon deserted the theater as a matter of what they called um, a matter of security because they felt that there was a presence there that was not intimidated by the strength of their armies. Oh, so she literally hasn't been seen since, like, She hasn't been seen since, yeah, since the not since she chased the Nazis out of the theater, basically. Good job, Satine. Right. Fuck them Nazis. <laughs> and then, so, also Harold Ziegler, they were not able to find him because they were trying to, because they wanted to find out, like, who the identity of Satine really was. Mm. Like, that way they could you know, let the family know or do whatever. Like, they know who this person actually is. Right. But Harold had disappeared. Like, they had no idea where he was. Oh, no. Harold! Yeah. Where are you? Like, I was reading that story, like, the about the ghost, and I'm like, that's so crazy. That's the same person from the movie. I'm like, but that's not the movie. <laughs> and you're over here like, Satine. And I said, Satan? Well, it sounds like, you know what I mean? Like, maybe, I thought maybe, like, it had spelled its name, and maybe she, like, thought it was Satine, and it was actually Satan. (laughs) So the next area in Paris moves me to the Eiffel Tower. Mm. Mm -hmm. So the Eiffel Tower isn't just one of France's most popular landmarks, but it is also one of the most recognizable landmarks, like, in the entire world. Like... You show somebody that, they're like, oh yeah, that's the Eiffel Tower. Like, yeah, they know. everybody knows what the goddamn Eiffel Tower yeah. is. I remember when I was in fucking Vegas, and I wanted to take, bring Jennifer home, one of those fucking Eiffel Tower cups, whatever. I don't know. The play, there's a fucking hotel that's like, shaped like the Eiffel Tower. Mm-hmm. But, anyway, I was wanted to get you a cup from there, but goddamn you, to get the cup, you had to buy a drink in the cup, and it was like $45, and I was like, I will find one on eBay. <laughs> but um, So the Eiffel Tower itself was constructed in 1889 
as the entrance gate to the World's Fair and was designed by Gustav Gustav Eiffel. Oh, so like the name of it. Mm-hmm. So the tower is 1,063 feet tall and was originally constructed to be a temporary structure, but they, they found that the tower itself was actually helpful with um, sending like radio signal and telegraphs and stuff. So the city decided not to take it down. They decided just to let it be where it is because they were utilizing it at that point. Right. Um, and during World War One, the um, tower actually became known as the Iron Lady and is one of the most favorite destinations for tourists and Parisians within the city. So everybody goes there, whatever, whatever. Everybody knows that the that Paris is considered the city of romance. Like, people, like, openly say that a lot. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that the Eiffel Tower is actually a very popular place for couples to get engaged. Of course it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in the Eiffel Tower's lifespan, they're guessing that around 700 million people have come to see the tower. Like, that's a fucking lot of people. But apparently... About 400 of them have... Committed suicide? Yeah, they have committed suicide. So, yeah. But in the 1960s, they, they, like, did, like, a renovation on it and put, like, safety measures, like, additional safety measures on the uh, tower so people couldn't jump off of it. What's the fun in that, France? (laughs) Oh, my God. But with being a location that has seen over 400 deaths, it is bound to be haunted. So, there is actually a um, female ghost that haunts the tower and can be heard on the upper level. Ooh, what is her name? Does she have... Um, I don't know her name. It's just a story that they tell about the ghost up there. Oh, so, gotcha. So, so, her spirit, however, is not a result of suicide, but instead was a result of murder. <gasps> Someone threw her off? So... She um, and her boyfriend had agreed to meet at their favorite spot on the top of the tower. He had actually intended to propose to her while she intended to break up with him. Oh, Lord. So. The beginning of every yeah. lifetime. Movie. So he tries to propose. She's like, oh, well, you know, like, mm, no. I believe in your ass. Yeah. So his hopes were dashed and he became enraged after being dumped and they're not for sure exactly how it happened but he either pushed her or threw her over the side of the tower to her death oh lord have mercy and since that day like people go to visit and they'll you can hear like like at first you'll hear like a female like giggling or whatever and then then you'll hear shrieks and screams oh god no yeah so I mean, girl, if you're going to, everybody knows, if you're going to dump somebody, do it where you're at ground level. So the reason I actually chose this section for last is because this is probably like the most obviously haunted area of Paris, especially considering that it's one of the most haunted places in the world. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, is the Parisian catacombs. Mmm, the catacombs. Yeah. So this kind of detours from my topic, but I had to include it because it's the reason why. Hard to explain. But anyway, so the catacombs are actually a series of underground tunnels and rooms 
um, which hold the remains of more than six million people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, in 1774, they began to prepare the area, like, which was actually ancient stone quarries that they used to use to, like, pull out materials to build the city. Mm-hmm. So, like, they have all these tunnels that exist underneath Paris. But they started, like, preparing these tunnels to help eliminate the overflow from the cemeteries because so many people were dying from, like, illnesses and, I mean, they'd been burying bodies there forever and they were running out of space so they had to figure out something else to do with them. So, starting then in 1786, nightly, there would be processions that occurred where covered wagons were transferring remains from most of Paris's cemeteries to a mine shaft that they had opened up. Oh, because they were running out of space. Yeah, and they're just like dumping these bodies in there. And like, I was looking at um, like videos and stuff from people going in there, and I honestly wonder, like, since there's places where there's like so little room at the top, like for bones, if they were just like shoving bodies in there. And, like, as the bodies decayed, like... Adding more? Like, there's just... Well, no, like, just as the bodies decayed, like, that's why, like, the levels of space is different. Oh, yeah, probably. Because some of the bodies would be more decayed when they moved them, and some of them would be less, like... Yeah, that's true. You're right, you're right. And, oh, that probably stunk, like, ugh. Yeah. Nastiness. But, anyway, so... In the beginning of the catacombs, um, they were actually very disorganized because it wasn't until 1810 that the director of the Paris Mine Inspection Service made them do renovations to parts of the catacomb to make it like more of a visible um, mausoleum because he felt like it was very like disrespectful that the bones were just there. Right. Which, I mean, they didn't do all of them, obviously, but like they went through sections of it and like arrange the bones like they stacked up skulls and femurs into patterns that you can see like I'm gonna put a picture there for you of how they're stacked oh yeah that's cool but like mm-hmm. creepy but cool yeah um then he also added like a room to the catacombs where it displays like the various minerals and things that can be found underneath Paris yeah and then he also has like another arrangement of bones that show like Oh, yeah. So, it's just, like, it shows different, various skeletal deformities that they had discovered while they were, like, going through doing the renovation. So, like, if your bones were shaped weird or something, like, they put them, like, off to the side for a special viewing. Oh. But, so, since they had renovated sections of it, they walled off the rest of the, um, catacombs because they wanted to keep people safe and keep them from going down there at all. So they, like, cemented it off so they couldn't go inside. You can um, bring a sledgehammer, baby. I, uh, but the movie as above, so they do, below. Yeah, but they do that because it's literally, like, super unsafe to be down there because the tunnels are, like, super unstable. Oh, I'm sure. And a lot yeah. of them would probably collapse on their yeah. own. So it is, it is actually due to their instability that the city is not able to like, construct buildings that are too wide or too tall. Oh, because they're worried that it'll, like... Mm-hmm. So, there's actually a... What do you want to call it? Like, a restriction on how big buildings can be when they build them. 
So, like, they can't be more than seven stories tall. Like, that's why the Eiffel Tower is still, like, the tallest structure in Paris. But... Because are they, like, all under... All over underneath? Yeah. Like, pretty much from what I... What I read, like, that most of the different tunnels and things, like, are underneath the different streets. And, yeah. It's just... They're everywhere. But... Despite all of this, people still manage to find their way down and explore the vast tunnels that are the Paris catacombs. Yeah, because they literally only have, like, certain parts open to be, like, tour. Yeah. So, remember when I used Abby's Crypt for our, um, Abby's, Amy's Crypt (laughs) for our Coliseum episode? Yeah. So I actually watched another video, um by Amy's Crypt, where she and her boyfriend and, like, this French guide went below the city and toured sections of the forbidden areas of the catacombs. Uh-huh. They saw, they showed us some of the areas that had been included in the 2014 movie, As Above, So Below. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that movie was actually, like, loosely based on the seven layers of hell. So. Yeah, that cool. movie was cool. Yeah. I liked that movie. Um. So, when I was watching Amy's Crypt, they actually stopped several times to try and, like, communicate with spirits, and they had activity, and they were, like, like, they had people's names pop up a couple times, and different things, but, like, it wasn't anything that I was able to recognize, so, I don't know. That would scare me, going into, like, the restricted parts. Yeah. But there was, like, so much, like, activity from, like, spirits and stuff down there. Like, yeah, I wouldn't want to go in the restricted parts. Mm Mm-mm. No, thank you. Like, the idea of going to the restricted parts sounds exciting, but I wouldn't actually do it. No, because, first of all, I wouldn't even be down in that bitch anyway. You're claustrophobic, you would die. I am claustrophobic as fuck. That's why in movies like that, like... Um, as above, so below, like, the yeah, descent. Yeah, um, this episode had a trigger warning on it because they were, like, crawling through spaces a lot. Lord Jesus. But, yeah, like, it's definitely haunted. Like, most definitely. Um, I fucking think so. Like, and as, like, somebody's spirit that had been, like, attached to their body that they moved down there, like, they didn't even show them, like, any respect. They're just, like, shoving bodies yeah, down there. Yeah, just, like, there. dumping them in there. That's bullshit. At least that's better than China, where you're only allowed to be buried for a certain amount of time, and then your family, like, your next of kin that's still alive after that time has to figure out what to do with your body. Yeah. Like, that's some fucked up shit. So, I'll tell you, I would be willing to go to Paris with you. Would you? Yeah, I mean... This is the thing. Like, if you wanted to plan a trip to Paris, I'd plan with you. But, like, that's not going to be my automatic, like, we should go on a trip to Paris. Like, if that's where you want to go, we can go. But, like. But, see, like, I could get my, like, fine balance. Like, I could do the things where I take you to go see those haunted things since now I'm into it. And then I can still get away then with going to a museum and you wouldn't completely hate me for it. Especially if I can probably figure out if the museum's haunted or not. Because I bet you, like, everything in Paris is haunted. Oh, I'm sure. Like, the castle in Versailles is haunted. Like, I wanted to talk about that, too, but it's not technically in the city limits, so I didn't do it. But You could have. I wouldn't have fucking cared. I could have, like, literally gone on and on and on and on and on about uh, haunted area 
is in Paris. But I wish you would have. Went on and on and on and on and on and on. Talked about like 20 places instead of, what, four? Well, I only talked about one location. So I do want to say before I start talking, I guess I should give a trigger warning. I mean, everybody knows that most of the stuff I talk about on here is going to be pretty fucking grim and gruesome and, like, fucked up. But, like, what I talk about has a lot to do with war Mm -hmm. and a lot of death, I guess. I don't know. Hate. (laughs) Hatefulness. Haters gonna hate. But literally, like, this is awful. Okay. (laughs) So... In the eastern region of Singapore, there's a beach known as Changi Beach. I think I'm saying that right, Changi. So during World War II, on December 28th of 1941, Japanese military implemented guidelines for manipulating overseas China. These guidelines stated that anyone who failed to obey or cooperate with occupation authorities would be killed. Colonel Hishitaki Takafumi had been ordered to kill 50,000 Chinese civilians, which was equivalent to 20% of the population. Jesus. Yeah. So Cheese then, and rice. Yep. So this was all like, you know, all this premeditating is going on. They haven't invaded yet. So at this point, Singapore, Changi Beach, is actually under British, um, the British Army. Okay. So... Then on February 15th of 1942, the British military forces fell to the Empire of China. Winston Churchill called the fall of Singapore the worst disaster and largest capitulation in British history. So once the British armies had surrendered, then on February 20th, so 1942, obviously all this is going on, this is World War II, the Japanese lined up 66 Chinese male civilians leading them towards the water's edge. Once they had reached the water, so they had bound them together. Yeah. Uh, once they'd reached the water, the Japanese army, ba- so they got into the water about, I want to say, I talk about it more in here too, but they get in about thigh deep, like to the point the water maybe was like hitting their butt. Yeah. And they just hear the sound of rifles cocking and then just fire opening on them. Oh, like, Jesus. And they just start shooting all these Chinese civilians. And the ones that didn't die from the gunshot wounds were drugged to the bottom by the... Because, you know, they're all bound together. So the weight of the other people being pulled down is going to pull you with them. The question I have is why don't people talk about this? Like, the Japanese were doing some awful things. I don't know. I feel like this is something we should have learned about in history class. Yeah. But, so basically, they shoot these people, and they're, if they don't die from the gunshot wounds, and they're being drowned by the people, the weight pulling them under, and they're not able to get up, and then they were unsure still whether that actually would have killed everybody, so then they proceeded to exhume the bodies from the ocean, and then chop them up. To ensure that these people did not live. That's insane. Yeah. So then, like, Changi Beach serves served as a trial and execution ground for the Japanese war, or the Japanese military. Um, this is when the, what was known as the Sukqing Massacre took place. So, and Sukqing, from what I looked up, translates to purge through cleansing. 
Yeah, they're doing the exact same fucking thing the Nazis were. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck? And we don't, nobody ever told us this? No. That almost makes me mad. Yeah. So, the Japanese basically did exactly like what the Nazis did and sectored off Singapore into different sections and each section had a screening area set up and all male civilians between the ages of 18 to 50 were brought in to be examined and basically anybody that they considered to be anti-Japanese so anybody who may have assisted the British when they were there like taught the British were like scholars or teachers to the British when they were there um, anybody who just to them seemed like they were not going to go with the flow and do what Japan wanted them to do yeah they would so the ones who failed examination were stamped like on the forehead or the chest on their clothes on their arms like a triangle symbol and then the people who passed examination were stamped with a sticker or a, a stamp that said examined and that could be anywhere else also on the forehead like somewhere on your face on your body your clothes like wherever. that's literally the exact same thing as them putting the fucking star of david on the jewish people mm-hmm. like that's fucking awful yeah well the ones who were examined were also a lot of them were given certificates also the same yeah and we don't talk about this nope. like literally i'd never heard of it before so yeah they the ones who failed examination were basically packed into trucks with no windows no food no bathroom for hours with all these other people who were stamped with this up uh, this triangle and then taken to secluded areas on Changi Beach and executed in mass amounts. That is disgusting. But, the, like, the, the point of it all, like, they say, oh, it was an examination, but there were so many stories about just them seeing somebody in line and not knowing anything about them, not even talking to them and just pulling them out and stamping them and throwing them on the truck. So they didn't like, even let them go through examination, they just... Right. Decided that they looked like they were then associated. And they also say that it was males 18 to 50, but they also, if they were in suspect, they would do it to women and they'd do it to kids. I'm sure the majority were males, probably, but there had to have been women that lost their lives, kids that lost their lives. Yeah. You know? Uh, Hate doesn't, like, discriminate. They even would have people, like prisoners of war or whatever, that they would beat. And mistreat so badly, and they tell them the only way that they could survive is by being informants for them. So these like hood, these hooded people would be at these examination centers, and they would give them names of people that they believed were anti-Japanese. And it wasn't. It was like to save their own lives, but they were also killing tons of people. The Japanese term for the operation was daikenso, or the Great Inspection. Japanese military had long-standing tension between the Chinese due to a war that had been go- going on since 1937. And also at this time, too, violence and execution had been a staple in those culture societies, though. 
Like, that was a way that they all... So, also, that was going on for four years, and... And, well, they used execution and violence and stuff as a way to maintain population control as well. Like, that was just something in Japan, like, the Asian culture. It's just... Mmm, that's so frustrating. And, like, they talk about Hitler and everything that Hitler did. And, yeah, we did get involved in that, but, like, it took a long time for us to get involved in that. So why were we not involved in what was going on there just because... Well, remember, though, this was the point. America was like, we are not getting involved in the war. And then it wasn't until Japan yeah. hit us that it was like, yeah, cause okay. Because they, they didn't want to do war on, like, both sides of, like, basically both sides of the continent. like Right. So anyway, there was there were so many deaths. Death. There were so many deaths. So, so many there deaths. were so many deaths as a result for the occupancy of Singapore. Japan claimed that fewer than 5,000 deaths took place. So many deaths resulted from the occupancy of Singapore. Japan tried to claim that fewer than 5,000 deaths took place. However, the Singapore Prime Minister says that about 70,000 deaths took place. Yeah, and after this, Japan agreed to pay $50 million as compensation for the horrific events that took place on their civilians. However, Japan only granted $25 million... And then the other half was considered a loan to Singapore. And Japan still has never issued an apology. That means that even, like, the old, like the current people don't really feel that bad about what they did. Exactly. So, however, like, the bloodshed and lives lost, there was not, like, the end for Changi Beach. It wasn't like that horrific stuff happened and then it was over. Because the beaches still continue to be haunted to this day by like they're they're it's not joyful ghost like encounters like yeah. it is um one of the stories that stuck with me that I listened to was about a woman that had been on the beach and she'd started to get her things together and it, because it was starting to get dark she got in her towel and everything and she was getting ready to head back up from the beach and she hears somebody, like, screaming in agony, right? Mm -hmm. And she's looking around, like, oh, my God, because, you know, you hear something like that, you want to help somebody. Yeah. And she sees a man, like, in the water, in the shallows of the water. The water all around him is red from blood, and he is just thrashing around and, like, screaming in pain. And she starts running towards the water. Well, a big-ass wave comes up, goes over the man, and recedes back, and no blood, no man. She searched the shallows. She looked around for a body, nothing. So what she she believes what she saw was one of the victims. You know, one of the... It's very possible. One of the men that were murdered and let out to the water. That would be horrifying. Like, just to have it have ever happened in the first place, let alone, like, seeing, like ghosts of it right and like how sad like i don't know that would just make you feel so sad like knowing that that spirit was trapped like that you know like that energy was still very much there it like still suffering like, yeah i do think it would be a very very interesting place to go visit only to like pay respect to like 
because I feel like everybody goes to like Holocaust museums and like yeah. Auschwitz and these places to like pay respect to these lost lives. And I think it would be an awesome thing to go and s- pay like respect, pay, like pay homage to these people. Yeah. And the crazy thing is like you talking right now, like you'd never heard of it. I've talked about it. I was talking about it. Somebody at the bar last night, I was talking to our little sister about it today and both of the people were like, I didn't even know that even happened. Yeah, like, and the thing is, is, like, granted, yes, like, it, what we did was stupid with, like, doing the, like, Japanese internment camps, like, that's fucked up shit. Yeah. But, like, if that's what the Japanese were doing, like, they might have had some kind of a, like, reason for what they were, like, not trying to make it sound right, because it's not. Right, but maybe they were just worried that like that kind of stuff was going to happen here right like and they weren't teaching us about this stuff they weren't telling us that it was happening right because japan did a whole lot like of here, shitty stuff. here it is like 80 years later and we still like haven't technically learned about it you research this like if you hadn't decided to research someplace like how would anybody know this and the only way i found it was because i researched haunted destinations across the world and Changi Beach was on the list and I was like what's that and I looked into it and I was like holy shit so then I was like um kind of like the whole thing when I did the Tanzanian witch hunts yeah like nobody knows that stuff is going on and there needs to be people made aware of what's gone on or going on in the world like we can't be dumb to it like right like just ignoring that it happened doesn't change the fact that it did like precisely and you can't and it's like what i was saying earlier like you can't go forward and grow from something unless you're like teaching about it right and teaching that it's wrong yeah like i mean we definitely learn that it's wrong when we learn about world war ii but all world war ii really was i can remember anyway was learning about like pearl harbor and then learning about the holocaust yeah there wasn't like, I don't Cause, yeah, because they talked about like the war in the Pacific and like them going around from like island to island and fighting and doing different things, but like pretty much what you learn in school about the Pacific Ocean side of the war was Pearl Harbor, obviously, because that started the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Midway, which was a major battle, and then us dropping atomic bombs. That's really what they teach you about what happened on that side. Like, yeah, they cover it a little bit more in depth, but that's basically it. And the thing is, like, I still feel awful for those people in Japan that we dropped the bombs on. I feel awful for the Chinese that Japan did that to. I feel bad for the Americans that Japan did what they did to. I feel bad for the um, Jewish population because of what the Nazis were doing to them. Like... Just because one, you know what I mean? Just because... Well, yeah, and it wasn't even, like, just the Jewish people, though. Like, if you looked like you could be Jewish, you were with them, too. Yeah, or if you were, like, African-American or... Yeah, like, like if you were different than what they perceived as the perfect blonde. race, like, you were, you were gone. Yeah. So, yeah, I literally have wrote here understandable that the main focus of world war ii was the nazis and the jewish with the holocaust because also 
Germany had attacked so and taken over so many places. Yeah, like they were like going just like from country to country, like terrorizing and destroying people. Like so, I have another story that is really sad. I actually listened to another podcast, and I'll put it in the credits. I don't remember what it was because I was literally listening to multiple ones while I got ready today. Yeah. So there's a story. Basically, it starts out, and this guy, he's 19 years old. He is, he walks his sister to school in the morning because she's um, in grade school. I'm pretty sure she's in grade school. He's walking her to school. She sings a song to him like she does every day while they walk, and she hugs him, goes to school. He walks to the college because he's going to school to be an architect. Yeah. And while he's in the middle of class, he just, I mean, like, Japanese troops just, like, swarm in and pull all the teachers, students out of classes and take them to be examined. And he's in line Mm -hmm. waiting to be examined. And one of the, and all he knows about it is, okay, they're checking to make sure, like, people are, find people who are anti-Japan or communists or, like, this, this, and that. And he's like, and I'm not any of those things, basically. Yeah. Well, one of the soldiers looks at him and literally points him out, and he gets pulled aside, stamped with a triangle, smashed into a truck for, I want to say it said seven hours. He was stuck in the back of the truck, and they didn't have a bathroom, so people had, like, lost control of their bladders and bowels and stuff, and you're scared, right? Yeah. So, and he's like, just, it's describing, you know, how bad it must have smelled in there. And finally the truck stops and he can hear waves crashing and he's like, oh, we're at the beach. Why are we at the beach? Um, all of them get pulled out, whatever. And he's put in, and I mean, there's so many of these people and he's looking around and he sees his dad had been brought there also and had the stamp on him and he's screaming for his dad. His dad, you know, starts screaming back because, you know, parent, like, you see your kid there and you know it's not good. Yeah. So he's, like, screaming and a soldier comes up and basically incapacitates him by knocking him out with the butt of his rifle. Mm-hmm. And the son is like, okay, well, I can't scream because they'll do worse to him. Yeah. Like, so then they start binding everybody up to each other and then they start walking down towards the water and he's trying to keep looking back at his dad like in the sand and they lead him in and he's like I told you about before he's attached to everybody he gets shot across the, the cheek like through the cheek but he's not dying like he's shot but he's not dying but everyone around him is dying so he's getting pulled to the bottom and basically it's like and I'm sure it's a very over-dramatized because how would they know his story yeah. because he died. But basically then, years later, this girl is on a trip with her grandma and her family flying to Singapore for a trip because her grandma wants to go to this beach where her father and brother died. And the girl, like, it's describing how she feels about it and she's like, I don't even want to be here. The only reason I'm coming is for my grandma. Like blah 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 and then it's talking about like how the grandma doesn't understand because they're going to this beach and they want to bring like stuff and grill out and like have like a family day and she's like 
I don't want to go to the beach for that reason. Like, it's not because I want to go to the beach, but, like, my brother and my father died there. And then it's just, like, the woman uh, is on the beach, and then it's, like, all that residual energy that's there. She can literally, like, and I don't know if it's supposed to be just her mind playing tricks with her, but she could literally see the whole scenario of, like, her brother being pulled out of the truck and her dad and like them leading him down to the water and like all this stuff. And I was just like, I was crying because <laughs> I was just like, that's so sad. That's awful. Like, and for that girl to be dropped off at school by her brother and hug him, not ever thinking that that would be the last time she saw him. Yeah. Having no idea that that morning was probably the last time you were going to see your dad, like, or any of that. And the fact that, I understand it was orders, but that's why I couldn't be a soldier. I would kill. I, I would be... kill myself before I'd kill somebody else. Yeah, like no doubt about it. And whether or not the story was something fictional that the guy had written and like as a dramatization or whatever, yeah. Still, that is the reality of like what these people's lives were like. And whether that's for sure one hundred percent an exact real story. It doesn't matter because that is what happened to so many people. Like, they didn't care who they were. They could have been very smart people, and they didn't want that. They didn't want people who they felt like were going to go against their rules and what they wanted. So they just fucking killed them. And, uh, I mean, there's so many stories about ghosts people have seen, like, when they're there at Changi Beach. And, I mean, and it's so beautiful because, I mean, it's like... That area, like, the water's clear, it's warm water, like, obviously it's so tropical-y, it's just beautiful. And then it's, like, something so terrible happened on that land that just, like, stained it forever. I feel disgusted. Mm Mm-hmm. You were wise to add a trigger warning. I wasn't, like, prepared. I wasn't either, and at first I was like, this is so sad, but at the same time, I, I like I said, I like to be able to talk about something that is kind of informative that people don't really know, but I feel like people... Yeah, like that's something that we should be being taught, told about. Right. Not just here, but everywhere. Because, yeah. like I said, hiding from the bad shit doesn't make it, like, so it didn't happen. It still happened. I wonder if our mom knows about it. She's about to. Oh, yeah, probably. I feel like the thing is, when we were in, like, grade school, junior high, high school, history was always more geared towards America. Like, even, like, learning about Christopher Columbus and stuff and him discovering America. Like, you know, everything and the whole things we learn about World War Two is mostly Pearl Harbor, like I said, and then the Holocaust because that was such a, like... Oh, yeah, because then they, like... They paint a picture of Native Americans being very, like... Hostile? Yeah. But I would be hostile if somebody was coming to my home and wanted to take it over. They were probably like, look at these saltines trying to roll up on our land. Saltines? (laughs) Oh, fuck it, right. I don't know. Yeah, that's Changi Beach in Singapore. Well, that's like I learned in even college taking history classes about things like that, and they never talk about that. I hope you guys enjoyed us talking about our haunted destinations. <laughs> I know 
I enjoyed sharing it. I enjoyed sharing it too. I thought it like it was a thrilling thing to like learn about. So yes. not thrilling, like not like I was like, oh my god, this is so exciting. But like it was different and it was informative and I really enjoyed this topic. Me too. I'd be okay with visiting that topic again. So anyway, you filthy little trollops. Make sure you come back next Sunday because we're going to have another awesome episode ready for you. Yes, yes. Um, so make sure that you, like I said in the beginning, swing by the PFPN and check out our cute little podcast family. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Send us some emails at beautyandthescreams, all one word, at gmail.com. What if the email was beautyandthescreams, all one word, at gmail.com? Oh. I mean, <laughs> that'd be kind of funny, actually. <laughs> but anyway, yes. Send us emails. Send us stories. Talk to us. Interact with us. We want to talk to you. Make sure to stop by Jennifer's Etsy shop, which I will drop a link to in the podcast episode info to stop by and check out our merchandise and maybe scoop something up if you decide you want to. Yeah, I've been getting some stuff ready to add more stuff on there, so yeah, a good time. Yes! Support your local boozenesses. Boozenesses. <laughs> That's us. Bitches. Uh, but anyway, yes. So, thanks for coming back. And like always, keep it real, keep it spooky, keep it real spooky. Spook, spook.